What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here for the Scale Up Show. I have an awesome special guest on today. I have Adam Robinson, who is the founder and CEO of Retention.com. Something really cool about him is he's doing amazing things and unlocks the secrets to product market fit and how he's growing from zero to 50 million in three and a half years without funding, completely bootstrapped. He reveals the secrets on the show. You're not going to want to miss it. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Adam Robinson. He is the co-founder and CEO at Retention.com, formerly Get Emails. Basically, he grew from zero to 14 million in ARR in two and a half years with six people and zero funding. Uh, he's doing a lot of really unique things and starting to scale up right now. Adam, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, loved your story. Loved your background in the pre-show. So let's do a real quick revenue rundown so everybody understands where you're at in the stages of the journey, even though I gave some context to that. So yep. we already covered where you're at in your ARR. Is it already higher than that now because you're growing so fast? We're cracking 20 right now. <laughs> so I said 14. We'll be, we'll, be at, we'll be at 50 by the end of the year. Wow. That's insane, man. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm making a note of that to, to correct the notes on that. <laughs> Hold me to it. Hold me to I, it. I, I well, yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> I'll come back to you, Jam One, and just say, "Hey, man, yeah. did, did it happen or what?" So, yeah. So, what? Lambo you, or bust? <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it out there in the the sphere. So, what, what's your primary go to market strategy that you have for for revenue growth? So, we are building a large Shopify app, and that is important for a couple reasons. Um, and, and by the way, a large Shopify app that focuses on large Shopify stores. Um, Large Shopify apps exist in the world and they have all had similar playbooks. You need to build out a BDR operation and that's going to be 30 to 40% of your uh, leads. You need to build out an agency partnerships operation. Shockingly, another 30 to 40% of your leads. Um, you need to build out your event motion. So you need to sponsor trade shows. And then you also need to have the smaller event like dinners, hosted by influencers going on, like we're trying to get bi-weekly basically. Uh, and then affiliate and influencer is a really important channel. Um, if you have a product like ours that sort of is new and doesn't have any competitors, um, these guys just love it. It's a, it's a super tight ecosystem where everyone knows each other, each other, all of the big stores execute through agencies. And it's just this beautiful thing where if you get something that really works for these big stores, it will spread like wildfire. So we're doing those four things. Um, and we're following the playbooks of, you know, Clavio, Yachtpo, Attentive, if you've heard of those companies at all. Definitely have heard of them, yeah. So, well, that makes a lot of sense and appreciate the detail. So how big is your team now at this point in time? 50. Okay. So 50. plus or minus, I mean, I don't <laughs> I need to right. need to find it's out. Gonna keep going. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, yeah. Uh, I I um I hired a COO, which we were talking about before, and uh just miraculously, these people have been doing the hiring. Um, 
And I just don't have any part of it, which is like incredible. Uh, I've been spending most of my time. Basically, my agreement with the COO is he handles all internal stuff. I deal with external stuff. And I actually really like uh, it's like founder brand content. And, you know, I'm flying around and speaking at events. Uh, and I do a ton of product stuff, too. But it's like, so like my life is like product and external. And then, you know, they're sitting there like constructing this organization. Machine. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I, I just have no, I mean, I can't imagine. <laughs> I, it's just not something I know how to do or I have any interest in learning, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so it's such a blessing that I found this guy who like is incredible at it and loves it. How know? did you find it, by the way? Because you're literally, you're the second person in so, the last few weeks that has gushed about an awesome COO, so. So the the really good story about how I found him is this office I'm sitting in is an office in Jasper.ai's office. Okay, and, cool. I don't know if people have <laughs> never heard of these guys. They went from zero to a billion and a half valuation in 14 months. Yeah. I've been sharing with office with them for four years. So before they were Jasper AI. That's crazy. And um, something happened in February of last year. We, I was actually like, long story, we were going to sell this business I was working on for like a good amount of money, but like nothing like it's going to be now. Um, and the guy walked like literally in the market was falling apart. It's like somebody got in his ear about the nature of what we do or whatever about to sign the APA literally the next fucking day. This guy just like, he starts sending these weird text messages. We're like, is he about to flake on this? Come on, like, really? We were like getting ready, like to like spend this money. Like that was how, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was how done it was. And he walked and I was devastated for 24 hours. And I happened to be having lunch with Dave, the CEO of Jasper the next day. And it was going to be like a man, like I just rung the register. Like, this is awesome. What's next kind of deal. But like, I was just devastated. And he was like, dude, you know, like we're hiring these incredible people around here. Um, you should really talk to this guy, Shane Orlick, who I just hired, who happened to be the CRO of walk me who had IPO. Okay. Like and this, this guy. So like, I have a 30 minute call with this guy and Dave was like, you're going to talk to him and you're, it's just going to change your whole perspective on this whole thing. And I was like, okay, I'm open to it. So I talked to this guy and I haven't spoken to him since. Uh, and he's just like, so at the time, I had 8 million ARR was spending no money on marketing and one salesperson. Love that. Right. So like the Jasper guys got to 50 million ARR, but they were plowing it all back in. Right. So I talked to this guy and he's like, dude, like he shared a little bit about our numbers. He's like, absolutely not, man. Like, I, like you have to try hard. Like you can't, it's irresponsible. <laughs> it's doing you a disservice to only have one salesperson. Right. Like I'm not, like, I have an idea for you three more salespeople, right? Like just <laughs> go, if you don't want to like go all the way and raise a billion dollars or whatever, like at least like go harder. Right. And then that's what got me thinking like, well, I'm only spending like 30 or 35 grand a month on sales and marketing. These guys are spending a million and a half, 2 million bucks on Facebook ads. Like what if I could get <laughs> in the position where I was spending a million and a half dollars in sales and marketing? Like I might have as much revenue as they do. I probably have more. Right. Um, so it started me on this journey of trying to find someone who could help me do that because I had built one other company and I wasn't going to, it was like a boiler room sales operation, which was not what this was going to be. And I wasn't going to do that again. I didn't like it. Nah, culture you feel dirty. That was my first um, time out of school. Like, yeah. 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 It just was the way it ended up, you know, it's, and it was kind of the way that business had to be because like, whatever it just was, but it wasn't something that I was willing to do again. Um, 
so I kind of had a swing and a miss, a little dance with this one guy who it just wasn't the right fit. Was, he consulted for a couple months, then we broke it off. And then what he would, what I thought we were going to do at the time was just, you know, you always try to go up market and SAS, you know, a lot of, there's a normal course of action. People go up market. Um, I thought we were going to sell what we were selling to enterprise companies and he never really presented me a plan that I understood. So I was trying to find people who were in the data space to enlighten me about, like, I knew there were companies at market who did what we did, but you looked at their website and it wasn't there. And I had hypotheses about why, but like, I didn't know. So I was trying to find like a sage advisor. I mean, I reached out to my network, talked to a few people, and then through a private equity contact, I found this guy, Santosh. And after 30 minutes of speaking to him, I was like, I went home and told my wife, I'm like, I spoke to this sweet Indian man tonight. And if I can convince this guy to work with us, everything will have changed. Wow. Period. Like he, we just connected energetically, like on a level that, you know, you connect in your life with very few people. Yeah. Uh, I begged him to speak with me again. He's like, I don't know how I can help you. I have another job. Like I'm CEO of another company. Where was he at at the time? Uh, he's, he's still transitioning out. It's this company called contact out. It's like an Australian data company. He was helping them, uh, you know, basically to, to leading them to a transaction, which is in the process of sort of happening. Before that, he was at Apollo.io. Before that, Lead Genius. Before that, Spiceworks. Before that, Zoom Info was a big one. Um, so anyway, he liked what I had to say. And he's like, at this point, he's, you know, he's approaching the age where he wants to retire. Um, he's like, at this point in my career, I'm not going to mess around with businesses unless I understand them an intimate level. Right. So, um, so like there's some advisors that are like, I want to do three things and not get my hands dirty and just, you know, wax philosophical and help you out because I'm so amazing. Right. <laughs> That's like, I think a common advisor viewpoint. Um, Santos is literally like, I want to do everything. That's how I'm going to understand your business. So he's like, I'll give you three hours a day for a year. You know, let me invest some equity. And if it doesn't work out, I promise you, you will have one on the trade. Like, like, I will have received less value than I gave by like orders of magnitude because I'm going to set this thing up to scale for you. So um, three hours turned into eight hours, like after week one. <laughs> and yeah, this dude's transitioning to our COO and and he's just unbelievable. Like uh, he's just seen it so many times. Any situation you run into, you know, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. Here are the trade-offs you're making. Like uh, he has just this amazing you know, Zen approach to everything. There's no situation that could possibly fluster this dude. Um, and he's just, you know, culturally he fit in, like he started on September 1st. He's like, we should do an executive offsite. And, you know, the five of us who had been working on this thing in Santosh, it was like, he'd been, he'd been there for 10 years or something. Really? You know, it's just this like perfect, perfect fit. Um, but very serendipitous. I mean, I was looking for someone like him, but I wasn't looking for that in him when we talked. I was looking for something totally different. Okay. You know? It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's just, it's so great. And, and and he like, we work super well together, but he he pulls things out of me that no one else can in a way. Like his experience in, with data companies 
is amazing. And then I have like very deep industry expertise in what we're doing exactly. So like you combine those two things and it's Oh yeah. Like, the domain expertise plus the data yeah. side. I literally was just talking to uh, another founder about that right before I, I was on with you. And then um, I heard Andrew in, have you heard of him? He was like the founder of Google DeepMind um, or the leader oh, of that cool. business unit. Right. He actually has a fund and that's what he does. Like he takes his AI expertise and they, they, act as kind of like a co-founder incubator um, to yep. companies with rich or people with founders with rich domain expertise so that right. they could launch that up. So I think it's cool, man. It makes, makes so much sense, especially if you, you own it that deep at, at a deep level. Um, the funny thing is we didn't really get into your solution yet. Do you want to tell us exactly what it does and who it serves? Yeah. So as I mentioned in the beginning with our go-to-market strategy, we're selling to large Shopify stores. There's a product called Shopify Plus that 15,000 of the 2.5 million Shopify stores use. So that's like a small, it's like a, yeah, it's just a below 1%, right? Then there's another 30,000 people that are like them that don't use that serve, that software offering. So there's 50,000 effectively Shopify stores that we're targeted on. They're huge. They're, it's pretty much 3 million and up. And the people that it works really well for are like 10 million and up. Here's what it does. Identity. So there are two problems that we're solving that are so painful for these guys. Number one, they're paying all this money to drive traffic to their website. And there is no sales for these guys. Their website converts or it doesn't, right? So like someone hits their site and only 2% of these people are filling out a form to even give an email address, right? Otherwise, they got to pay again to retarget and bring them back. We can get an email address for like 40% of them, which is 20 times better. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and so, so that's solution number one. Grow your email list 20 times faster. And solution number two is the most lucrative messages these stores send out are cart abandonment. Oh, which one? I'm sorry. Cart, cart abandonment. Ah, so yeah. Someone puts something in the cart yeah. and leaves. Makes sense. It's the most timely, personalized, bottom of the funnel. You know, it's got the item in the email, right? Like uh, the issue with cart abandonments is that they're only getting sent to people who are logged in to these Shopify stores. And you're not logged into a Shopify store. Like you're logged into Amazon, Facebook, right. Google, whatever. You're not logged into like jimsundies.com or whatever. Like maybe you buy under, you know? Yeah. So only about 10 to 15% of the audience that could receive these messages is receiving these messages. Mm -hmm. We get the other 85% and it's just money in the bank. Um, so yeah, we solve those two problems for those stores. Um, and that's what we're doing. It's a very clear message too. You know, it's yeah, really so, easy to understand. So to summarize it, you, you get the missed 40% of the missed or 40% of the people that don't log in on top of the 2%, right? Which is huge. Yeah. Especially with how much traffic's going in. So I can imagine that'd be monstrous. And then, yep. so walk me through just a little bit about like mechanically how you make that work. Cause it's, it sounds like uh, pixie fairy dust. Yeah. But I'm sure there's technology I mean, to it, do it now, it's right? It's magical, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So the brand just puts a few pixels on their site okay. and like the identity part of it um, is basically using uh, persistent identifiers in the ad tech world and de-anonymizing those to real people. 
oh, basically. Okay. And then we're using a bunch of other signals to clean up the data so that it doesn't hurt the brand in any way. Okay, cool. That makes sense. And it's US only. You can't do this in GDPR. It's not GDPR. GDPR can't do this in Europe. Can't do it in Canada. Yeah, it's US only. Okay. So that's that's the one side, which which that makes sense because there's a lot of and on the little little bit different on the B two B side. There's tons of different companies leveraging signals now, and so it sounds like there's elements the same coupled with the pixel component, right? So, so yeah, so you got that, and then we'll- so yeah, the, the 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 big difference between how these like Clearbit or whatever does this identity stuff is they're just doing an IP match to a company, and then they're guessing mm. who you know what I mean. It, whereas this is like a cookie match. Oh, okay. Gotcha. It's like, you know, so it's, you know, there's a breadth versus accuracy trade-off that works for B2C favorably, the breadth part that I don't think really works for B2B. Like people tell us that we should be doing this for B2B all the time. It's just a little bit less straightforward. Like the sales cycle of B2B is a lot longer. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, how to explain how to use this for large B2B, like who you're selling to, you know, whatever. We'll figure it out eventually, but this B2C use case is just like, like we know exactly what's It's like fishing with dynamite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. What about the other part then, the abandoned cart piece, right? So how come it's only, how, how are you able to capture the other 85% then? Uh, because of how low in the funnel these people are, we just can identify almost all of them to a deliverable email. Okay. You know, it's like, it just is the way that it shakes out. Okay. Um, gotcha. Like there's a lot of junk traffic that we can't really get to a deliverable email top of the funnel okay makes sense ma'am all right so so that's interesting so really crystal clear so i think like obviously you know the, the dollar amount equals probably the ideal traffic or the the traffic that they have so it makes it just a math equation with what you do and your ability to execute so how fast do people see a result i mean you see emails coming in the second you put the pixel on the website yeah so you know um yeah, and you'll, I mean, these brands that have a lot of traffic, they'll, and they have a lot of abandoned cart revenue already. Like we will, we will grow somebody's abandoned cart revenue by a hundred percent every time. So like, they'll start making sales as soon as, as soon as they turn it on. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that I mean, that's that's a yeah. really fast time to value. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, love that man. So, so let's shift gears a little bit. How did you? Because it sounds like we talked in the pre-show. Things started off a little bit slow and then they took off like, like a rocket ship for you. So walk us through like, and you don't need to get into that real long version. Cause we, we got only got a certain amount of time. I got probably 10 other questions I'd love to ask you, you know, we're not going to get yeah. to all of them. So how did that happen? I mean, what would you say trying to go from zero to one, which you saw the, the biggest jump in product market fit and then why? So like, 
I think there's stages. This is just a great question. So this spun out of my of my first company, which was an email service provider, which is in it's like a SaaS app that, that helps people send newsletters. Mm-hmm. It was in the part of the market that Mailchimp was in, and it's very difficult to compete with this company, Mailchimp. They had a free product, like their just brand was incredible. I mean, they bootstrapped to twelve and a half billion dollars. Good luck, right? Um, I was always trying to figure out things that they weren't doing. Then I heard about this identity resolution thing. You could somebody could hit a website and you could get an email address, and I was captivated by it. Took me 18 months to figure out how to do it, but I figured it out. Started as a feature in the first company. So first of all, I think that there's some type of like pre-product market fit that's just the enthusiasm of someone's face lighting up when you describe what it is. Like you immediately understood the value of this when I was like, oh, I'll give you an email address of people who don't fill out forms. Like part of product market fit is just that really intuitive, you know, value understanding. Then we put it in our email marketing app. People were using the identity feature and not using the rest of the app and like downloading the file and putting it in their Klaviyo accounts. Right. And they were saying it was awesome. So that's another really good sign of early product market fit, I think. Enduring a horrible user experience and it, them still saying it's great, right? High NPS scores. We still had a bad churn issue until the middle of last year. So like, by the way, like this was easy for to sell. I'm sure you're not surprised. Like I was under the impression that everybody with a website should use this. Mm-hmm. Um, as time went on, so like we started a self-serve SaaS app, you could sign up for 19 bucks a month. Like I went freemium at one point, like we were letting anybody use this thing. Um, everybody was churning. Churn was brutal. Um, really? yeah, because there's just this. So like, if you think about it from this perspective, number one, you have to have traffic to your website for us to resolve traffic. Right. So like if you're below some amount of traffic, you're going to be like, this isn't worth it. Right. And then you have to actually be making money on your email list to continue paying for emails, right? Oh, yeah. You'll yeah. think it's cool for three months or whatever, but if you're not making money on it, then you eventually you're going to be like, I don't need these emails, right? Like yep. that's just, that, that's just, that just is what it is. I saw it. I just oh, didn't yeah. matter. B2B, B2B public. Like it's like, if you weren't, so it's like, the people I have found who have the most traffic and are the best at emails are these, you know, they're still small businesses. They're still Shopify stores, but they're like SMB e-com with traction. Mm. In a lot of cases, their email list is half of their revenue. That's just not the case for, you know, whoever like B2B. And, and like, I thought info products would be really good too, but like, I think most of those funnels end in high ticket sales and like email is not really the way that you do that. You know, you just do it in other ways. Um, so yeah, we, we were, you know, we were letting anybody sign up and then for one reason or another, and it was just a wild business model too, because like we had people paying us $19 and then like Warby Parker was paying us like 50,000 a month, like SAS, <laughs> right? No agency service. So like, is it this crazy dispersion? Um, and, you know, because of that, like we had, you know, somewhat volatile revenue, but, um, I think we ended year one at I actually have it right here. Hold on. Let me look. We ended year one at 
2.75 million ARR. So that was 2020. 2021, we ended at 8.7 million ARR. 2022, we ended at 14.8 million ARR. And then I think we're going to end this year at 50. Just wow. because we're actually, we actually clicked, we, we actually clicked into real product market fit with no churn and annual deals. And we know exactly the market we're going after. And it has these incredible qualities of no competition, incredible product market fit, like spreads like wildfire. Like we, we know the channels, we're hiring people who have existing relationships or whatever. So, um, so yeah, uh, look, zero to one. I also ran like this product was really easy to sell, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. it just wasn't easy. You can't really say any, someone quits after six months because they're like, I'm not making money on these emails. It's hard to try to get them to stay. So I was under the impression until the middle of last year that this was just intrinsically a high churn product. It was really a limiting belief that I had. Really? And it was limited by the fact, yeah, like we, we did not think we could sell annual deals on this product because of these things. Like we were selling costs per lead, people's traffic fluctuated. We were resolving on traffic, you know, they'd change email service providers and they would want to stop. Like all of these reasons, Diana and I were totally, we accepted the fact that we couldn't sell annual deals. We also were telling ourselves, which is something that's totally not fucking true because we've sold 700 annual deals in the last four months. We were telling ourselves that, for the audience that uses Clavio, and Clavio is, they have 90% market share with Shopify. It's unbelievable. Wow. They don't buy Clavio on contracts, so they're not used to buying things on contracts. When we move up market, those people are used to buying things on contracts, so they will also buy this on contract, right? Totally, we were just lying to ourselves. We were making up blockers, if that makes sense. Yeah. And we like in the fall of last year, we came up like we added features and we effectively cut prices, started selling to bigger but not big customers. So nothing happened to our sort of monthly subscription revenue. And then did a 12 month deal with a 60 day out that has an 85% roll rate past the 60 day out. And we've sold literally like 700 of them since August 20th or October 24th complete limiting belief on this monthly thing and the churn thing. But until then, because we hadn't honed down on the ICP, I just thought that like this was a high churn product. I'd be able to get it to 20, 25 million in revenue. You know, maybe it's spitting off 10 million bucks and that'd be a great business, you know? Um, but with that churn problem, it wasn't getting any bigger than that, if that made sense. Well, did so let me ask you that. Is So like, do you think because you started to go, and when you say a market, you're not going for a hundred million dollar companies. You're talking like 10 million, right? Uh, the, so like, where's it way bigger than that? These guys, well, they'll kind of top out at a hundred million revenue. Okay. You know? So like really the sweet spot for us is like 10 to 50 okay. ish, maybe five to 50. The, 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 in, in volume, of course, the three to $5 million deals are more than you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, totally. It's, it's I, was like, just, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. I was wondering if that was correlated because like the stability and the way, cause I, I've run that. Like I work with a lot of $10 million businesses. I've worked with $2 million businesses and there's a exponentially different attitude and approach that the $10 million plus companies have than the smaller ones do. So I was just wondering if that was attributed to like a big lever for you as you were selling almost too I mean, small these, before. these smaller guys, 
these smaller guys are doing it. We're giving them a 60 day out, you know, more smaller guys opt out of rolling to the annual deal than bigger guys, just because it's harder for us to show someone ROI when they have less volume going through. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would say to that comment, it's less impactful than I had previously thought. I thought for somebody with 3 million in annual revenues, an annual deal was a fucking no go. They don't buy things like that. Right. It's not true. I can tell you because we're like, you know, we close 40 of these a week, right? Like, and 20 of them are three to 5 million in revenue. Um, you can do it if your product is, is the right thing for them. Well, right? yeah, I mean, and you sort of, part I think the 60 day ad, it's like a paid trial, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. Um, That's where I was going to go with it, Matt. Like, you nailed yeah. it, dude. Cause like your time to value is so fast. As soon as people turn it on, they start saying revenue. So yeah. that kind of like checks the box of like, Oh, does this work? Does this work for me? Right. Uh, and I'm sure you've gotten yeah. better at pre-qualifying. Like what are the opportunities to even use you in the first place? with the amount of traffic and everything that 100%. they have. So huge unlock was an SDR only letting people who met this tight, tight criteria hit the AEs. Yeah. Huge unlock. Yeah. I could totally see that. We did. Um, so I, one of the things that helped double our deal size was even taking that like one step further uh, that I did. I've worked with companies on this is like looking at your top 20% of your ICP and then looking at the, the weird outliers in there and then creating a focused approach to that. And like the deal size just scales and scales and scales usually really, really fast too, when you do that. So it's just like yep. a more enhanced version of that, that for sure, which is funny, man. I, yep. I, I sat, so I spoke at a SaaS conference last week. I think I mentioned you and there's like, I don't know, 50, probably 45 to 50 SaaS executives sitting in the room. And I, I asked everybody, I go, Hey, how many, how many people here know, what your ICP is, raise your hand. Like what your average deal value of your, your your overall client base, your ICP. Pretty much every single person in the room raise your hand. I go, okay, well, how many of you know what your top 20% ICP is? And guess how many people raise their hand? Who's yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> one out of yeah. 50 raise their hand. And it's just like, it's one of those hidden gems. It's, it's a big lever you could pull that, that gives you a big result without without changing anything else. It's just like refining the focus and attacking it. So um, anyways. Yeah. I, I literally had that conversation with Diana today. Shut up. She really? brought it up. <laughs> yeah. She's like, she's like, we got to increase focus on these, you know, sort of, we have the universe split up in, it's like the top third and the bottom two thirds of the Shopify plus audience. She's like, we just have to focus more on the top third. It's like no brainer. <laughs> Um, awesome. Well, it, it's good that we dive on yeah. that. So, so now, now that you've been through all this, right. And you've, you've, you've gone through, uh, struggles, you were in the trading side, but then you've created a company with rapid growth, knowing everything that you know now, if you were starting today, like what are the top three things that you would focus on when trying to go from zero to soon to be 50 million right after the end of this year? Yeah. Uh, look, there's, zero to one and then there's like one to three or five and then there's five to 10 and then there's like, I think 10 to 50. Right. So I mean, zero to one is it's experimental. It's almost like creating a work of art, what you have to do, right? Like you have to like be, it's, it's, it's very experimental and product oriented in my opinion. Um, 
and iterative. Like you don't know if what you have is good from zero to one. Like there's not the proof there yet. So uh, I would focus on talking to customers as much as possible and being open to the idea that what you're doing may not be viable, <laughs> right? Like you may have to scrap it. Like you could get 500K of ARR and have a product that should be dead. <laughs> um, so uh, live with that uncertainty is what I would encourage someone to. And man, I'm telling you, I have sold a product that sucks. I have sold a product that is okay. I've sold a product that's good and I've sold a product that's great. When you sell a product that is truly great, everything else is a possibility and it comes so easy. If you sell a product that is not good and it's hard to admit it to yourself because your ego is tied to this, right. like you're an entrepreneur, yeah. right? Like it's very hard to look in the mirror and say what I spend my day doing and what I created, you cannot call your baby. Your ugly, baby's ugly. Right? Yeah, that's it's what a I was very thinking. hard thing to do. <laughs> yeah. But like you have to accept this um, as a possibility. And you have to be willing to throw the baby out. Um, and look, it's a high stakes game. I mean, everybody's financial situation is different, you know, with either investors or your own money and credit cards, however the fuck you're doing it, right? So like, um, I get it. It's hard. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this. Another, a thing. So I was aspirational in the metrics that I wanted to achieve. Oh, everybody is. And it took a long time to get there. But like, I had thought, just based upon reading the Lemkin blog and like hearing some <laughs> anecdotal stories that like the best spot you could be in. I didn't want an enterprise SaaS company. I thought there was this amazing spot where you were in the like low four digit monthly MRR deals that were super high velocity and you could accrete enterprise value if you nailed that. Like, crazy because there's no vendor forms. There's no in-house counsel. You know, people buy it on a credit card. There's no payable. There's, it's just the, I, I was aspirational about wanting to live in that world. Obviously you have to fix your term problem too, which, you know, took me a few years to, to finally nail. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like before I started, I knew that I wanted that and it didn't happen initially, like our first customers were coming in like average of 300 or so. And then it kind of, it was a thousand for a while, you know? Um, and now it's like, you know, the new people were bringing in its average 2000, 2,500. And I think it'll continue to drift higher as we just like optimize and create new products and like whatever. Seven day sales cycle. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so like I would, you know, how it's like, if you point your ship that way, at least in my opinion, some people are the enterprise SaaS game and I'm sure they love that. But like, I think there's a lot of benefit to super high velocity sales models and like Lemkin's thing of like, man, if you can just sell something for more, like that's real. I mean, it really helps. And another thing that I've found to be true, it's easier for us to sell a 30K ACV deal than it was for me to sell this $60 a month email marketing deal that we were selling in our last really company. I am not I am not screwing around totally easier for us to sell this and easier faster the whole less lift the whole thing and is it like if you had to break it down in the top three ingredients what what, what would they be because that's I think that's fascinating Matt so yeah and, and we have one customer success person 
<laughs> with like a thousand and fifteen hundred paying customers. Uh, sorry, we have thirteen customer success agents. We have one customer support person. Um, so I think this, um, and this is not universally applicable, but with this Shopify world in particular, I'll contrast it to the last customer base. Like these people are so unbelievably talented to get direct consumer businesses to the point where they're making five or $10 million a year. Think about what they have to do. They have to create a product, get it made in China, deal with logistics, deal with inventory management, and create a website and omnichannel marketing experience that allows them to outcompete everybody else. The, the person who's capable of doing that is incredible, right? So, and if you're positioning yourselves to service people who can pay a few grand and get 10x ROI, um, they are, they get it, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're easy to sell value to because they want value. Uh, they want to move fast and implement quickly. Um, they will keep paying you forever so long as you deliver this type of value to them. They will solve problems that my last customer base would have taken three hours on customer support on their own without asking anybody. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think that at this, but that's kind of the sweet spot of this part of the market that I was talking about. Like the guy who's the talented one is sort of, you're still talking to him a little bit or somebody like directly below him or her, excuse me. Um, it slows down if you go up market, I think a lot. And, you know, you can start getting this thing where the bigger companies may not have people like that working for them. It's like a different type of person. But in this sweet spot, it's like a perfect customer to buy and use your product. So um, when do you in think? In many cases. And I think that probably works for, for SaaS too, if you're selling into SaaS. Oh, totally. Yeah, I think it totally does. Like there's definitely a, uh, call, uh, I don't want to call it like a red tape ceiling, but like a complexity multiplier by the more people you add that are involved. And I think, I think you're right, man, like that 25, 30 K there is a sweet spot there, especially if you pay it monthly where it's like yeah. really easy decision, especially if they start seeing results right away. It's a task. They don't want to lose those results, but like, yeah, even if you, if you bump up, you go over a hundred mil in terms of like even over 50, it, it, it does start to get a lot more complex in terms of the people that you're supporting. Right. Yeah. Like, cause here's the thing, man, like we would sell to like fortune 1000 companies before and like we did, we eventually got the, the sales cycle down to about nine months, um, mm -hmm. which was pretty good because the deals would be, I don't know, million, no, maybe a little bit less than that, but maybe 600K to a million a year, right? Um, one of the best that we got was like, was it 8 million a year, 9 million a year? Yep. That took like 18 months. So yeah, I mean, but the, the phase that you're in, you build up this foundation and then you have just a ton of capital and infrastructure, then it'll be really easy. Yeah, to you can that. just go do, go do what either go freemium or go enterprise or do both. Yeah. Right. Like, well, that, that works uh, amazing. And I'll tell you, I'll give you a real quick example. And then I got one more question for you, but like, so one of my clients, same thing, like he's got a freemium or not even a freemium. It's a low paid, like an individual user plan, if you will. And then he's got an enterprise license. And what started happening, he started getting, like executives from Fortune 500 companies buying the individual like licenses. And I'm like, dude, you are sitting on a gold mine. You have like Fortune 20 companies in here that you just need to like systemize and attack. And it, it grows really well. So yep. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, so you, that's what Santosh did. At, that's what Santosh did at Apollo.io. Well, I use Apollo. So, Apollo. Yeah, Apollo was before Santos showed up. They were stuck at five million ARR. They were venture backed. Um, these these guys were begging him to join. He's just like, I don't really, whatever. And then he's like, okay, fine, because he didn't have anything else going on. So they were trying to sell fifteen k ACV deals against Zoom Info, who was like thirty k ACV deals for kind of an inferior product. Santos is like, fuck it, ninety nine dollars unlimited data, ninety nine dollars monthly. So like millions of people started signing up. And then he he set up these automated things, like kind of VP growth type things, like where three people from one organization would sign up. It would automatically ping their VP sales. Oh, nice. And like start a conversation with like, and it turned into this like really nice mid-market, you know, contract sort of MSA revenue. Yeah, that's smart move, man. With that. Like Zoom, going yeah. back to what you're talking about, Zoom Info had like a barrier of entry of like 40K at the floor or 30, it used to, yeah. 30, 40K yeah, at yeah. the floor. So to go the $99, the free and then $99 a month route or whatever, I think got them. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Uh, yeah. So, all right, man. So one more question and then we'll wrap things up because um, we didn't touch upon this at all, but obviously this is really, really hot right now is how are you using an, and are you, are you using AI to grow your business right now? And how are you using it? That's a really good question. Um, so we're definitely using uh, chat GTP to sort of create content on this media property that we're creating called latest greatest. That's like, we don't know what it's going to be either list. It's, it's going to allow us to engage these large Shopify stores in a different way and probably enable some derivative data products. So that's one way, uh, content creation that, you know, it can do. Um, we also use ML, uh, to do lead scoring on, we, we, we're taking a ton of signal, and you can sort of match signal to a record and you can really, for us, it's like, if we know it's going to be a shitty record, we might as well not even give it yeah. to the, to the customer or whatever. So we're using ML that way. Um, and those are the two obvious ones right now. I mean, I think over time we're going to start as we, as we create more and more data products, we'll start using AI way more. Um, we're just kind of not there yet. Okay. You know? No, it makes sense, man. So are, are you using it in your sales or marketing, external sales or marketing motion right now? I don't think that they are, but I'm not sure, to be honest. It makes sense. I mean, that's that's what I've yeah, seen most. I don't know. I mean, like, like I told you, like a lot of folks uh, have been leveraging it more internally or like on the data side is what I've seen or integrated yeah. in a product but not as much on the revenue growth side. And so just something I was curious about uh, based on a lot of conversations I've had recently. So, so anyways, man, we've gone longer, but it was an intriguing conversation. All good. So, <laughs> so uh, before we wrap though, where can people find you? Where can they find out more about retention at .io? And we'll take it from there. Sure. Retention.com. Retention.com. I paid 800 grand. Yeah. I paid 800 grand for that domain. It's not retention.io. Retention.com. I apologize. Yeah. So, um, I have the social handles retention, Adam. So LinkedIn, 
LinkedIn slash in slash retention Adam, Twitter retention Adam. Those are really the two that I'm focused on right now. I'm going to start doing a lot more sort of YouTube stuff soon. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Retention.com. You can learn about our company. If you happen to be listening to this in Shopify store, who knows? Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's your jam. That's where it. they could find you. Yeah. Awesome, man. We'll love what you're doing. Love uh, the results that you've got. So massive respect on that. And then you did it all without taking a pile of cash from someone else. So even higher level of respect. So thanks for being on the show, Adam. It was awesome having you on. And it was a great, great, great episode. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Pleasure being here. (laughs) All right. We will see you all on the next episode. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.